What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm no good at taking good advice. And I'm self-careless, so don't tell me twice that lately I've been so stuck in my head. That I forget just about everything my therapist said Maybe I'm self-helpless Maybe I'm self-helpless Maybe I'm self-helpless Maybe we are all self-helpless Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And Happy New Year, guys. Oh, yes. Hope yeah. it's so far so good. Yeah. We are, uh, <laughs> we're kicking off this year with a little bit of a downer topic, but <laughs> hopefully it will be um, maybe comforting for, for some of you who might be going through something similar. Today, we're going to be talking about depression and uh, depression medication and just kind of what I've been going through lately with with that, and um, I'm I'm super curious too, Delaney, if you have any experience with this, because we've been doing self helpless for a long time, and I think we've both gone through some ups and downs. But I know yeah. I personally had never reached a place of feeling like I um, would maybe benefit from depression medication until recently. So we're going to talk all about that. Yeah, definitely. I think the stuff that I my experiences I think been pretty situational where I can always I can always attribute it to you know a certain event or you know not liking my job or something something like that where I'm like I think if I make a change or I Mm -hmm. process this trauma there's you know gonna be a happy ending or light at the end of the tunnel Um, but yeah I can share more about that for sure awesome so this is coming out on January 8th. I am going to be in San Diego, January 18th through the 20th. I might also have an LA show this coming week. So check my website, kelseycook.com to see if I've added one by the time this comes out. 
Uh, and in February, I will be in Tacoma, Philly, Red Bank, New Jersey, and Stamford, Connecticut. In March, I'll be in San Francisco, Rosemont, Chicago, Minneapolis. And then in April, I will be in Madison. On the 6th is my special taping there. Then I'll be in Sacramento, Salt Lake City, Vegas, Denver, Kansas City, and Timonium. So KelseyCook.com for all of uh, all my tour date tickets. And please check out the Pretend Problems podcast with uh, with me and my lovely boyfriend, Chad. It's on all podcast platforms. There are YouTube videos. Go check it out. Nice. Yes. Yeah. How about and, you, Del? Yeah. If you like uh, another podcast, you can head over to DelaneyFisher.com. I have a epi- uh, podcast over there called Career Crush. And we just talk about you know creativity and mindfulness and work and life and finding the sweet spot whether, you know, it's a certain lifestyle that you're pursuing or, you know, you want to live in a tiny home or whatever your dreams are. We <laughs> talk about all of that. And there's a lot of really cool interviews with people doing really unique things. Some people maybe you've heard of, but a lot of people you've probably never heard of. And that's what I love most about the podcast is that the some of the conversations I have on there are actually exclusive interviews because they've never been on a podcast before and they have no interest on being any on any other ones like they're just right. giving me me their their time for that conversation so um it's just very cool because I know for me when I feel like okay I I don't want to be famous or a celebrity or a TikTok star or um, you know, but I want to do work that I care about and I want some kind of recognition for my work, right? Like I want to um, become an expert at something or whatever it is. It, it, it kind of, you kind of feel like, where do I go? Because all the yeah. people you know about are are celebrities or famous people or they're, they're in that world of visibility that maybe doesn't feel quite right for you. So a lot of the yeah. people over there listening to the podcast kind of feel similarly where they, they want to be an expert at something. They want to do really excellent work, um, but they just they don't resonate with that part of um, that type of like recognition for their work, I guess. So it's like, right. what do we do with that? Um, but anyway, there's a, it's a free global community over there. You can sign up for free at DelaneyFisher.com. I also send out uh, a lot of cool, like um, career and media opportunities. We've had people get featured in magazines and get different gigs and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, because when I find out about something, I blast it to my list. When I'm looking for a guest for my podcast, Career Crush, I blast it to my list and I actually interview a lot of you over there as well so um so cool just a fun place i like it come hang out if you want i also think there's an advantage to talking to real people instead of celebrities because if you listen to a celebrity interview a lot of the time they might not be willing to share a ton of things because of course it's like their lives are so public but when you talk to people who maybe don't have as much to lose or don't feel like it's so risky they can really open up that is such a good point because the level of vulnerability that people show up show up with to these conversations I'm like amazed by it you (laughs) know and um that that is absolutely such a good point and very true what I found to be very true over there and we also do like um other kind of little happenings whether it's a virtual event or some kind of cool like bulletin board you know posting and sharing information with each other and stuff so yeah I'm just really I'm really enjoying it very low pressure you know it's like it's just kind of whatever we feel like doing (laughs) that's great that's awesome um yeah on uh on pretend problems we also we are taking 
emails from listeners and trying to give our dating or relationship advice. So self-helpless listeners, helpsters, if you are going through something in your relationship, dating life, and you want Chad and I to try and take a crack at it, you can write into pretendproblemspodcast at gmail.com because uh, we, as, as this episode as being recorded with Delaney and I, Chad and I just launched our podcast. And so we are just now starting to get new emails coming in and it's been very cool nice. to like hear from people and, and connect in that way. So if you want to get some advice, we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> oh, I love that. So fun. Yeah. So fun. Um, well, Kels, do you have a, a quote that you want to kick do. this off with? I do. I was, I was pulling it up as we were, um, talking just now so this is actually something that Chad sent to me he has sent it to me in the past and then he sent it to me again recently as I've been going through kind of a harder time and it's a picture of a it's like a drawing of a little boy with a horse and um, it says I can't see a way through said the boy can you and then the horse says can you see your next step and the boy says yes and he says just take that said the horse and I, I don't know if that quote is going to make as much sense without getting to see the picture, but it's basically when you feel like you don't know how you're going to get through something to just take the next step. Just mm-hmm. what is one small action that you can take in that moment and just do that and don't right. worry about the next 10 actions, but just like taking small steps. That quote really, really helps me. Yeah, that is a good one. And it's like, that's really all you can do when you're struggling with depression. It's like, yeah. you're like just getting out of bed and brushing your teeth and like, you know, doing one errand or something. It, it, yeah. At least for me, like that would just take all of my energy. It's like, I can't even think of 10 more steps after that. You know, it's yeah. just, and to not beat yourself up about that. If you're really just like, the biggest thing I did today was shower and have a meal that's where I'm at. Good and job. That is okay. Yeah. A shower can be a huge accomplishment when you're going through depression or yeah. like eating any sort of proper meal. Yeah. Can be a huge accomplishment. Flossing? Oh my God. That's a really <laughs> type A plus thing if you're depressed. If you, <laughs> if you happen to floss and wear your retainer, I mean, yes. you're pretty much killing it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh God. I. I think if, when these feelings of depression have set in for me, it's, it is very frustrating. It's hard to not feel like a failure because I hold myself to a high standard of like what I can accomplish, whether it's career wise or just like taking care of myself. And depression has a way of really bringing you down to this level of like, oh my God, why, like why can't I get even a basic thing done and if you're not being kind to yourself, it can make your depression feel worse because then you're just like, well, cool. I can't even do this little thing. Yes, I totally, totally resonate with that. And for me, it's like I know logically that I'm beating myself up in the moment. Like I know like I'm being really mean to myself, but it doesn't yes. make it stop. It's yes. still like I'm aware of it and it's also happening simultaneously yeah. Um, which is even more frustrating because it's like, you know, you hear like once you're aware of something, you can take a step to change it. And sometimes yeah. it's just it's like this is this is feeling shitty. It keeps feeling shitty. And I, I don't exactly know when I'm going to start feeling better. I know at some point I, I will. 
Yeah. Um, but it could be in three weeks. It could be in three months. It could be longer. And um, that can be very discouraging. Um, yeah. Is, is there, what compelled you to want to talk about this topic right now? What was coming up for yeah. you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, I think I have been dealing with some version of depression for a few years. I believe it's mostly been situational. You guys know, um, everything that I've been going through with my mom the past few years. And I think I've mentioned on the show that I really resonated with the definition of prolonged grief, Mm. where if you're in a situation where a loved one, um, is ill or is passing very slowly it's not like a boom one minute of um they're there next minute they're gone going through a grief cycle it's like sometimes it is it's a years and years long situation and uh I have felt so much sadness from that and tried my best to just like compartmentalize those feelings you know we had the incredible Krista on Krista St. Germain to talk about grief she talked about restorative activities and then activities that are centered around the the grief and how important it is to have restorative activities and I think what I had been feeling in recent months is a lack of restorative activities because I've been on the road so much yeah, and it had kind of forced my life into what felt like very two-dimensional living. I, I have felt like I've kind of been just surviving for a while where I am on a plane, I'm in a new city, I'm checking into a hotel room, going on stage, like nothing has felt certain or comforting or known it's like you're not in your own bed you are you are alone a lot of the time I I feel very lucky to have my feature Tommy with me on tour a lot of the time who's you know also such a good friend of mine but we're not like hanging out the entire day I'm generally alone for for most of the day and I've found that when I'm alone in a hotel room you just have a lot of time with your thoughts and for me it's turned into like a darker headspace because of the stuff I deal with with my mom and so that was getting kind of compounded with just a feeling of being really burnt out from all this travel and I started to feel like chemically not the same where I think if you're somebody who growing up you don't think of yourself as a depressed person you I have felt very lucky that I think chemically I don't lean toward depression I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm a pretty like upbeat positive have an a, a somewhat easy time functioning and getting tasks done I think if you're if you haven't struggled with it on a chemical level then there's kind of a resistance to thinking you have a problem right because I just was like well this is I'm not a depressed person 
So I have to be able to just bounce back from this on my own. And I got to a point where I kept waiting for a rock bottom to hit and thinking that like in order for me to try medication or or tell a doctor that I was feeling this way, I would have to be like, I'd have to have like a nervous breakdown on stage or be hospitalized for like I just kept picturing some like very dramatic mental breakdown Mm. and then I was in my hotel room in Grand Rapids Michigan just like sobbing uncontrollably on the phone with Chad just finding it pretty impossible to get out of bed until showtime and I was just I kind of had a moment of like looking at my life from the outside where I was like, I think this is rock bottom. Yeah. Like, I think maybe I need to redefine what I need to try to handle on my own. I love the quote you've been saying on the show, you know, how much I love it of like, instead of asking yourself, how much are you willing to handle? Ask yourself, how good can you let things get? And I just have been so determined that like I can handle anything. Mm. And uh, and with all this mom stuff, I've had this message reinforced to me of like, oh, my God, you're the strongest person I know. Oh, my God, you, Chad had called me an emotional aunt. Like, I'm capable of carrying my, you know, where aunts can carry their f- physical weight times 20 or something like that. Right. Chad had said that of me in terms of what I can carry emotionally. And I think I have put that as like a badge of honor on myself Mm -hmm. and I think subconsciously I thought if I get on depression medication I am failing Mm. like I like I didn't I didn't do it I I wasn't able to get through it on my own interesting well (laughs) I have so much I have so much to respond to that yeah because and a lot of questions for you first of all I think it's really cool that you wanted to do an episode about this while you're still kind of in the middle of figuring it out yeah. I think a lot of people will talk about stuff like this once they've kind of figured it out looking like this is how I felt and I've overcome it and now here I am kind of a thing mm-hmm. so I think it's I think it's a uh, neat that you're giving a snapshot of just where you are thank um, you yeah. And one thing that you said um, that made me think of something else is when you said like maybe you have felt like there's just been too much uncertainty with mm-hmm. what's going on with you where you felt like nothing, nothing maybe felt, I don't know, stable or, or like yeah. a, a sure thing. Right. Um, as in the case, like with your with your career path and everything like that's so, so normal. But it made me think of that uh, mating in captivity book. Right. Where we mm-hmm. but we we need like certainty and uncertainty we need that balance and when you're too far into one end of the spectrum you either feel anxious all the time or fucking Mm -hmm. trapped basically yes and it's like how do you give yourself the stability that you need to like regulate your system your nervous system but leave room for that excitement and spontaneity spontaneity to where every day doesn't feel like groundhog day basically yeah Um, yes and I think that's interesting because I think that's just that that's true for your relationship with anything your relationship with work your relationship with loved ones it doesn't have to just be a romantic partner 
Um, so yeah, that's really interesting that you said that, that the uncertainty was getting to be too much. And I, that's how I felt the, you know, the several months that I was not feeling very good. It just felt like nothing was a sure thing. Everything was up in the air and I didn't know what to hold on to. And there was just no choice, but to just like let go of everything and just basically be and do nothing. There was not a whole lot that I could (laughs) do, which was fucking terrifying yeah it's it's so debilitating and just just to take a second to step away from my personal experience I just wanted to remind listeners just like the more textbook definitions of depression so if you feel like you're unsure of if what you're feeling is depression um just some of like the, the mood things that you might experience are anxiety, apathy, general discontent, guilt, hopelessness, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, uh, mood swings or sadness. Your sleep might be affected. You might be waking up very early. Uh, you might be excessively sleepy, like sleeping all the time. Or on the other end, you might have insomnia. You can have appetite changes. You can have excessive hunger um, or loss of appetite. You can feel agitated, have excessive crying, irritability, um, or want social isolate or social isolation. Sorry, and then cognitively, lack of concentration, slowness in activity, um, or thoughts of suicide, and. I mean, I think that's been really shocking to me as I've learned more about depression is how many symptoms there are that seemingly would not fall under the category of depression, like very specific, you know, when when things were feeling worse for me in the past few weeks, I would have a really hard time speaking and like coming up with words that I was trying to think of. Oh, like a brain fog kind of? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah really hard time concentrating just things that I felt like I know I can be sharper than this I just could not seem to quite get it together yeah in ways and um intrusive thoughts yeah uh my god I I I just have felt like I've experienced almost every possible symptom that you can of of depression And so I came home from that weekend feeling, like I said, at rock bottom. And I had a call with my therapist um, and I had a call with my doctor and was like, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And they gave me a prescription for Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin is like a very well-known, commonly prescribed, it's like a good first go-to for depression medication if you have not tried one yet um oh let me back up real quick for a second my doctor did the like the depression exam like the depression questionnaire with me over the phone and the results were you're experiencing depression and anxiety actually Mm -hmm. so just you know there's that too. And I think you can find that test online as well if you're kind of wondering like where maybe you fall on the spectrum of depression, like how how severe it is. 
But so they put me on Wellbutrin and I was told like it it can be too stimulating for some people. Like not everybody has a great reaction to this, but generally it has pretty low side effects. And I got on it and I realized that it is very hard to be experimenting with medication while you're on tour. Because if your body does not react well, well, your job is super public and you still have to go on stage and be able to not just like speak for an hour, but perform. Like people are paying to see you. You want to give them a great show. And unfortunately, Wellbutrin was just not the right fit for me. It was way too overstimulating for me. I felt my anxiety go through the roof. Mm. I had, I really struggled during the day that weekend. Just again, more like I was like crying even more, really having a hard time getting out of bed. And then on my drive home, from the airport I had a panic attack as I was driving on the freeway and I and which is like I don't I I don't really get to panic attack points and I just I was like okay this this is not this does not feel right so um got off that after a week and um that was two weeks ago almost three weeks ago and I've been I've gotten to be home for the most part since then I unfortunately had my bad run in Nashville and Alabama when I had to go to the hospital for stomach flu or food poisoning but I've gotten to be home now for almost two weeks and I do feel like a million times better Mm -hmm. I want to continue to talk with my therapist and my doctor about like if I still maybe should try a different depression medication. But I, I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am bummed that I finally, like I let myself try a medication and it wasn't a good fit because I think if you're anything like me and you feel resistant to, you know, putting things in your body that aren't completely natural, it, it, it takes a lot to just even be willing to try it. And when yeah. it, does not go well it's very it's very frustrating especially because it seems like some of the other depression medications have more side effects that can, you know things that could be more like weight gain um lower sex drive harder time orgasmings you know like mm-hmm. a whole myriad of things that seem to be more common with other depression medication and and then you have to ask yourself like well are those things going to make me depressed (laughs) or is it going to be worth helping these other things? It's just like, right. It's frustrating. It really is frustrating. So I'm in a place right now where I'm not currently trying a depression medication. I wanted to like, let there be more time when I was home and not having to go on stage to potentially try another one. But I will say I feel so much better when I'm home and not touring constantly it's so tough yeah I was just gonna ask you that now that you've been home for a little bit and you do feel better and you're not on any medication right now yeah um and you haven't been like working you haven't been on the road obviously for a couple weeks did you say yep Mm -hmm. so now that you're feeling better do you feel like 
do you how much how much do you think lifestyle is playing a part in what's going on for you right now like if you had your big wheel like you know a pie Mm -hmm. chart of like what you've been dealing with right grief maybe burnout right you know working a lot maybe your your joy category you know piece of pizza whatever it has been like the smallest or play play has been one of the smaller ones yeah does it does that give you a perspective of like can you point to it a little bit more or do you think it's been equally a combination of things yeah that's a great question I think lifestyle is massive I I've been talking to some other comics lately who actually also have been going through a really hard time mentally on tour there are a couple Mm -hmm. comics who um I know Liz Mealy just posted publicly about it that she had a panic attack while she was on stage recently we've had Liz on the podcast um I think it's been a couple years now but um the touring lifestyle is so dysregulating to just your basic human drives like your sleep your eating uh familiarity we were talking earlier about like certainty versus uncertainty it's just constant uncertainty when you're on tour Right. So when I'm home, it's the exact opposite. I'm not dealing with any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I am only in my certainty categories. I'm in my house. I'm in my bed. I'm with my partner. I'm with my pets. I have my routine. So that just makes me feel like a human, period. Right. And like myself. I think... I would be curious to know, like, if I could see a, a scan of my brain or know my, the chemical levels in my brain before my mom had dementia mm-hmm. versus now after three years of it, I would be curious to know what that's done to me on a chemical level. Yeah. Because I do think it's changed me. I don't know how it couldn't. I, I can really feel that impact. But... I think when I am having days where I'm doing more like restorative activities as opposed to, you know, maybe going to like my, the support group I go to for um, family members of people with frontotemporal dementia uh, or having conversations with my mom over FaceTime, which uh, can be so wonderful and can also absolutely rip my heart out. Mm. It's like when I am living a more, quote-unquote normal life I feel pretty good like I feel pretty able to function normally I generally feel pretty happy um and yeah so I I don't know I don't want to have to like get on medication just to do my job yeah that's that feels that fucked is up. So tough, dude. It really is because, um, you know, years ago when I when I was still doing stand up and I was considering my career paths in the industry, you know, and all that, I realized after meeting a lot of comedians that were very successful and learning about the lifestyle, I was like, so. And we were talking about this even recently, Kels, of like, so the best case scenario, mm-hmm. if everything goes according to my wildest plans and dreams and all the right things happen, I'm really busy all the time. I'm living, I'm traveling a lot. Yeah. I, I'm in very high pressured situations. 
And it's like, I don't think I, I don't know if I can handle that. Like I, I realize how much you truly have to love this craft to say, I'm willing to do this lifestyle. And like, really the people who do it, they like, they love it a lot. And that's, that yeah. is a cool thing. It's like, wow, that the passion is so high for the people who are saying yes to that. And I, it, and I, I've talked about this before where whether it, you maybe anybody else has had an experience like that where, you know, really great things happen to you in your career or a project you're working on, whatever, but you, you still feel like empty or you feel sad or you feel yeah. like this isn't it, you know, and um, that can be a, a tough feeling, but it's, it's, it's just something that, um, it sucks. It's, uh, we talked about this recently. It sucks that the yeah. thing that you love doing just requires so much, you know, physically, it's just so physically taxing where it's like some people yeah. like painting on canvas in their living room and they fucking love that. And it's pretty gentle on the body and, you know, <laughs> mental, <laughs> mentally. And like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it, it is, it is a tough thing that you're in a position of like the thing that you love requires so much of, of you yeah and where do you draw that line yeah it's it's hard because I think a lot of people would envy how I feel about my actual work like the craft itself that after over 14 years I'm still madly in love with stand-up itself right you know that's not everybody feels that way, feels passionately about what they do. I feel very lucky that I feel that way. But in order to do it, it's like killing me. <laughs> like, Yeah. I had that moment um, when I was feeling like, oh, this is a rock bottom in Grand Rapids. It's like the weekend was sold out. Mm. I... I was doing things that on paper that weekend are like, oh, I've worked so hard to get to this point. This on social media would be a very flashy post of like, sold out weekend, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then like the reality is that I, I couldn't get out of bed I because right. I was crying the whole day. Right. So that uh, that reminds me of my one of my other favorite quotes is success on paper is just that. Oh my god yeah you know where it's like what I, I think about you know all my stuff too and it's like yeah the things that were objectively I think very exciting um there was so much stress involved and I felt so pressured and so like I guess out of my body a lot yeah. and the things that are objectively boring as fuck to people I am so happy doing and I just <laughs> love it you know I'm like wow yeah. it's like I think over time, and we've talked on the podcast a lot about, you know, struggling with workaholism and compulsive working tendencies and all that. And I think um, I've started to, over time, just fall in love with my lifestyle. It's like the lifestyle is kind of the driving force of, I I could do a job, uh, I could do a job, I hope that it's, you know, creative and it's always like creatively stimulating, but if it enables me to like, work from home and have some flexibility over my schedule and allows me room to do my other things. I have been less like picky, I guess, about what that job is, where I think younger me was like, it has to be the biggest, best thing ever. 
And now I don't feel that way at all. It's more like what, what allows me to just kind of like ease in and out of my day. And I think a lot of things can fit there now, which is so weird to have such a polar opposite (laughs) experience of work and what my relationship with it used to be. Um, Yeah. And it, you know, it is a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, loss of certain things and, and identity and all that but like at the end of the day it's like what is the most important to you yeah out of everything yeah I you know you plan tour dates out quite a ways in advance and so my first half of next year well as this episode comes out the current year but you know that schedule had been pretty set and it's hard because once those dates are announced if you cancel or reschedule, it's kind of what I was talking about in the last episode with getting sick on the road. It's like all of a sudden you kind of stop becoming human. It feels like at certain times, because there's so much, so many other people are depending on you to like not get sick or to keep the dates because they have, they have bought tickets and they've planned, you know, maybe a babysitter and that's like, and, and you feel so lucky that people want to spend their money that they work hard for to come and see you so you don't want to let people down and you know I am nervous though looking at the schedule for the first half of next year because there are some some runs where it's like god that's it's a lot of weekends in a row on planes and I just I'm hoping I, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna, I guess we're gonna see. I'm gonna take it a month at a time. But Chad and I have yeah. already made a plan together of like starting for the n- second half of the year, just working two weekends a month and yeah. coordinating it so they're the same weekend so we can be home together as much as we can. And um, yeah, this great. is just like, it's been such an identity shift for me. I think all I've known is like really putting so much of my self-worth into this grind mentality and working as hard as possible and doing the most. I have always done the most and I finally have hit this wall where I'm like, I can't. Like I I actually physically and mentally cannot do the most. And um, and not only can't, I, I don't want to, which is like weird for me (laughs) I almost don't recognize myself right and you said something about um like your rock like you were kind of waiting for a rock bottom Mm -hmm. and all that there is a I don't know what the term is maybe you would know it it's like a it's a sobriety term of like uh I don't know if it's called a mid bottom or or something like that where you also don't you don't have to wait to hit a rock bottom of like you having a, you know, a nervous breakdown on stage in front of 500 people or whatever. Like you could be like, what I'm at a mid bottom and I want to get control of this now. And not everybody had, and I actually was talking to um, uh, somebody who's been on the show before Amanda. I was on our, I think, I don't know this 12 step or sobriety episode where she was one of those people. She's like, I, um, not everybody has to, to hit that, that rock bottom of, you know, they lose everything in order right. to get sober. And, and she was like, I was one of those people where it was a, it was kind of in the middle and 
that was enough for me to take steps to you know get sober and stuff like that and so it's like yeah we don't have to wait until we have just everything is fucked right like in fact don't it's like so much better if you don't you like you can foresee where it's going right like we have that and now how can we get a hold of it and another thing that you mentioned Kels that I think plays such a big part at least for in my experiences too is like when you mentioned looking at that calendar and already feeling anxious about maybe not having enough downtime it's like how much does that play in your head too where you feel like yeah when you're on that loop of like oh my gosh I don't actually see light at the end of the tunnel and that almost (sighs) kind of makes the spiral worse of like okay when do I actually get a bigger real break or more playtime or whatever it is and you don't feel like you can see that for a very long time in the future that is a scary feeling totally I have felt such a like a a feeling of dread this almost like a constant Sunday scaries feeling of like just being so aware of how little time I'm going to have at home before the next time I need to pack the suitcase again so oh, God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally that and what you're saying right before too about the mid bottom if there's anything that can be taken away from this episode I mean that's a big reason why I wanted to talk about it is just to encourage people to get help when you feel like you need it without without shame or without feeling like you do need to truly hit a rock bottom because right. I, I mean, we co-host a self pod, self-help podcast. Uh, I feel like we have said a million times over on the show to people in our lives, like, oh my God, get help if you need it. There's zero shame. Right. And yet when I was in an actual position of feeling that I needed some help, I didn't want to do it because I felt ashamed. Right. And it's not like I have nobody in my life that would make me feel that way, but it was myself. It's just like the stigma of it's it's so unfortunate that medication does, I think, still have a negative stigma. And um, I just felt weak Mm. to to feel like I needed help in that way. And yeah, even if it's just like one person listening who is feeling this way, I do hope that it it helps just to know like you are not you are not weak you it is okay to get help and also doesn't have to be forever like I you know I don't know what my medication journey is going to look like for the future I don't know if I'm going to try another one if so I don't know which one I don't know if maybe with lifestyle changes I will be able to feel more like myself and and kind of get through this but even if you do end up getting on one, know that it might not, you don't know how long it would be for. Maybe it's just like you need some help to get through whatever hard time you're going through. And I think that goes back to the quote at the beginning of the show. It's like, just take one step, put one foot in front of the other. You don't know. You don't have to know beyond that. Right. You had mentioned that you kind of, yeah, you were beating yourself up like that you felt like, oh, I couldn't handle all of it, right? Like it was a yeah. negative thing. Where do you feel like that comes from for you, that you felt like you should have been able to hack it or whatever, if you had to pinpoint it? Man, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, 
I think I'm just, I'm not sure if it's like a nature or nurture thing, but I just, uh, I think I've prided myself on being a strong person my whole life. I feel like I'm, you know, an emotionally strong person. And I think once the mom stuff happened, it really added to that of like, I can handle this. I can, I, I can be an example for people. I can just show that like, if you take care of yourself, you can get through something and you know what, I don't know. I just had this thought in my mind of like, I should be able to, I should be able to get through it. I, I do a self-help podcast. I, Mm. I go to therapy. I, you know, I journal, I take care of myself. And, um, sometimes things in life are bigger than journaling. Right. I think those things are so helpful and so beneficial, but I think that's, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in the past few weeks is that those things are really great. And also sometimes you need more help than that. Totally. Totally. And that's okay. I know for what I need to work on, uh, for myself is when I feel low. Um, and I've, I've had situational depression definitely. And Mm -hmm. I, whenever I am not feeling well, um, my therapist will usually say, you know, if this lasts longer than three months, might need to start looking into it. You don't want it to go too long. But I've right. I've usually had an upswing of some kind uh, shortly after that three-month mark in a few different areas of my life. One was like when I um, got cheated on my, by my boyfriend years ago. I was devastated. I felt really sick. I couldn't eat, all of that stuff. Um, you know, that eventually subsided. Like anytime there's like a, a trauma or some mm-hmm. kind of traumatic event, I'm like, okay, I, I know that I'm probably going to just feel really shitty for several months. Yeah. Um, and if I don't come out of it, I'm going to take some action to, you know, get some additional help. Um, yeah. and I have a tendency to really beat myself up when I'm struggling because I just tell myself like, there are so much bigger problems in the world than you're, you're feeling sad. You feeling sad about this thing or whatever it is, just like get the fuck over it. Like people have it so much worse than you. And then that just makes me feel worse, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just like, oh my gosh. It's, and it's like sometimes thinking about, um, think, thinking about what other people are going through can make you feel gratitude for your situation. And sometimes comparing certain things can make you feel really shitty that you're, feeling so bad you know and and somebody is going through a living nightmare um yeah and and, you know and it's like I I really struggle with that a lot and I think that has caused me to try to speed up my healing process a lot try to avoid it um talk myself out of feeling too shitty for too long um yeah and you know that's that's not very good either so, yeah. um, I know it's, it's a really, uh, it's just a lot of nuance on this topic. And I, I know for me that as I've gotten older, I've realized too, that, you know, I generally f- feel pretty good or pretty okay, but there's always kind of a little underlying of like something, uh, you know, it's tough to be here kind of a feeling, even when yeah. things are good, it's kind of tough to be on the planet. Um, and, I've 
you know, and I get, I get a lot of self-doubt and all that stuff, but I've really had to realize and work on where that comes from because so much of the indecision and self-doubt and beating myself up is actually not me or my own voice. It's, it's basically if you kind of, you know, if you have, have experiences when you're growing up with somebody that you care about who has really low self-esteem and who's always second guessing or doubting or struggling with mental health. I, I think for me, my um, emotions kind of ebbed and flowed based on mm, them. Yeah. And so I have these ebbs and flows of things, but they're often not connected to what I'm experiencing personally. Yeah. And so that's a real mind fuck of like, I'm feeling kind of off right now, but like I am logically feeling good about things and I have a different mindset than maybe somebody else might have about my situation where I feel more hopeful or more positive about whatever might happen. But this other voice is instilled in me to just kind of always look at the negative points. Yeah. And that's hard because it's like it almost feels like, wait a minute, this is not even my depression. That's kind of what it feels like. And yeah. so I don't and but it does feel like your depression um, mm -hmm. because you're experiencing it. And so working on like that kind of attachment of, you know, this is how I, I'm a separate entity. Like this is how I feel about a thing. I'm very aware how somebody else might feel about something, but. I have to be able to separate my own thoughts and feelings from like other people's. And that I think has been my biggest struggle with mental health. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked obviously a lot on the show about impact of our parents on us and, and all of that. And I think that our generation, you know, might have a harder time accepting help because our parents generation definitely was not great at accepting help like I think a lot of um our generation's parents are not in therapy feel very resistant to right. that sort of a thing and so I I think when you're asking like where did that come from where do you think that resistance and maybe trying to medication came from I know part of it too I think is this like kind of subconscious familial thing of I know I have some family members who even though I, I know they always have my best interest in mind there are just certain things where like I think it's a little bit of a walk it off mm. attitude mm, yeah. <laughs> of like you're fine like just just go on a walk that sort of a thing and um, I think that's a good reminder, too, is despite how close you might feel with certain people in your life, if you don't feel that you getting help would be maybe supported in the way you need, just know, like, you don't have to talk about it with everybody. Right. I, right. I wasn't expecting to talk about this on the podcast, but I just, I feel like our listeners are such a supportive community and I felt like it would at least hopefully be helpful to, to some people but yeah. it's funny I'm like more comfortable talking about it on the podcast than I am like I have certain family members who I didn't talk about 
what I was going through too. Like I just didn't feel like they were the right people to listen to that. And they might not understand like truly how severe those feelings can be. And, um, and so I just didn't, and that's okay. That's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm usually such a tell everybody in my life, everything person. And I'm just learning that, Hey, sometimes you don't have to, and that's, that's okay. So absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, what's another big thing that's helped me is learning about, uh, trauma or complex trauma and, and all of that. Um, knowing what to expect has, has been very helpful of like, Mm -hmm. oh, if you're feeling this way, there's nothing wrong with you. There's a reason and there, you know, sometimes it's, it takes a little while to, to feel better and feel differently because if I didn't get that information, I would have been very scared about how shitty I was feeling very yeah. much like, I don't really see what the point of any of this is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have never had thoughts of like, I want to hurt myself or envisioning how I would do that, but definitely thoughts of like, if I didn't wake up tomorrow, I think I'd be okay with that. You know, like I've, I've had a good right. run, right? Like right. I, I've had a good run. I've, had, I've lived a good life. And, and knowing that that is a huge part of trauma is so helpful because you don't feel like there's something, um, you know, wrong with you. You know, yeah. it's a reaction that your body's having. And so I don't know, um, equipping yourself with that information can feel, um, kind of comforting in a way for me it gave me a little bit of a roadmap too of like here's what I can expect to be feeling so when I do feel these things I'm not going to think I'm going crazy I'm not going to think you know I'm not going to be so mean to myself about it because this is just a science science (laughs) this is just a scientific fact of this is your your you've experienced something your body and your brain have experienced something and now you're going to be feeling all the effects of that going forward and if you have kind of layers of trauma if you experience one thing that triggers all the other things and brings all that up to the surface, like it's really, I think it's so important for you to know what to expect and to, to get support with that. Because I know that if I didn't have the support I have with with therapy or support group or, you know, whatever, I probably would have been really, really scared, a lot more scared and, um, kind of a lot more flailing around, Um, and I, I may have, I may have reached out for medication or something before, uh, which would have been fine, but before I, um, maybe really wanted to, because I would, it would have probably just been like a, uh, very default reaction of like, I, something is going on and just, I don't know what to do. And I'm glad I kind of waited because it did dissipate on its own. Um, not saying that, that getting on something right away is, you know, not, can't be helpful. Of course it can, but I think I would have done it for the wrong reasons in a way. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I, I had been watching some YouTube videos of some of the, the YouTube beauty, uh, gurus I follow who have been really open about their struggles with depression and, and things like that. And it was super helpful. One of the um, the people I follow, she talked about her experience with Wellbutrin. And for her, it was like quite a long adjustment period, it seemed like, 
I'm not sure that she had increased anxiety. I think it was more like other side effects. But then she did, after a certain amount of time being on it, felt like it really changed her life for the better. And so I want to make sure, you know, people know that. I, I... yeah, I, I didn't want to come on today and be like, well, I tried medication and, and for a week and it didn't work for me. And now that's where I'm at. Like, I, right. I do hope people know that so many people have had their lives completely positively transformed by getting on a medication. And I, yeah. you know, I might be one of them. I am going to see, like I said, give it a little more time and then talk to my doctor again discuss if there's a different one I want to try but uh yeah just I think having a feeling of community whether that's people you actually know or online you know whether it's this podcast looking up other YouTube videos but just knowing that so many people are having these experiences and that medication is not one size fits all and you know what might work for you might not work for somebody else vice versa but yes but yeah just yeah Totally. You don't need to hit. Don't need to hit rock bottom. Um, you can you can totally get help and yeah yeah. So I'm glad we talked about this today. Me too. Like you said, I know a lot of people that it's been life changing, and also educating yourself around the fact that it might take a while to mm-hmm. find the thing. So yeah. if I had not had certain information and I had been like, I I don't know what to expect, and also I'm looking at medication that hopefully it'll it'll fix me very fast or whatever and then maybe had felt worse that it wasn't working like information is just so important all around so you know that it's okay and like you know you're you're gonna be okay it's a process yeah Yeah, it is like it's really in your hands talk to your doctor about what the options are I'm fortunate that before my call with my doctor one of my best friends is a psych nurse and so she went Mm -hmm. over all of the different types of antidepressants with me and uh you know what's so funny I think I've been saying depression medication over and over this episode I should just be saying antidepressant <laughs> <laughs> there's like fully a word for that category <laughs> my god it's self-helpless baby <laughs> yeah we don't Could claim to be doctors that's kind of the point of the show <laughs> am I doing anyway <laughs> just yes. know it's like even if you want to just have a conversation with your doctor about it you can do that if you're like right. me and you and the idea of medication has freaked you out and you want to just take one step just learn about it that was like the step I took with talking to my friend was just like can you just tell me what right. the antidepressant options are so I can have an understanding of like what the categories are what they do what the right. potential side effects are and that made me feel a million times better going into my call with my doctor of like, hey, I think this is the one I'd like to try. I'd like to try this low dose. I want, you know, I just felt yes, like I was still in control of my life as opposed to just like, oh my God, I'm terrified. I'm just going to be given this pill that I don't understand. It's like, know, know what's being given to you. I love that. Yeah. The gathering of the information is so helpful because you don't have to commit to anything. And yeah, um, for me, like having a plan, I remember when I really hated my day job and it was making me fucking miserable and depressed every day. I had a plan of like, okay, if I change my environment and I change up my job and it's a job that I really should like more because it fits me better, but I still feel like shit every day, 
I'm going to have to do something about this because right. then I'm like, okay, I'm making changes and I'm still not feeling right. right. Um, and so I've, I've always kind of had that game plan. I had it in my calendar. If I still feel this low three months from mm. now, I'm going to make an appointment. So I literally had like a plan, even though I felt like shit and doing anything was hard. I was like, I still put a little, you know, yeah. put a little note in my calendar and, and had at like a little deadline for myself. And I think that's always been very helpful of like, I'm aware I feel like shit. Let me look at my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to check in with myself and I'm going to let other people know I'm not feeling right. So I'm not the only yeah. one who knows. And, you know, sometimes that that even can be helpful. At least it's been helpful for me to feel like you have some something kind of nailed down. Yeah. And it's very non-committal too. It's just like I'm just going to do a check-in with myself and see how I feel. Um, yeah. The episode about oh the moms of newborns episode. My friend Michelle shared that she struggled with uh, postpartum depression after her first kid, and she said oh and she she um, is about to give birth to her second kid, and she said like as soon as she got pregnant she already had a game plan for if she had mm. postpartum again. She like Smart. had the prescription ready. She's got all the things that she need those helped last time, and just in case she can quickly go to those things and I'm like yeah just so smart having it's almost like um if you've heard of a anticipatory grief it's almost like anticipatory depression in a way oh of yeah like, what can you do for your future self that like um is going to help you like I know my um my, uh one of my parents who has lost their parents um their therapist recommended like when they were uh not doing well like have a game plan for when they go when they pass yeah. away of like, do you know where you're staying that night? Um, have a bag packed ahead of time. Have something in the books for you to do like a vacation at some like just those little yeah. things that you when you feel like you're stuck in limbo of what can you kind of do for future self? So I thought that was um, yeah. a helpful tip that M Michelle shared as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, <sighs> thanks oh. for thanks for talking about this. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. It's an important Thanks. one. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm just going to pass on a segment this time. I've shared a lot today, but if you've got one, yeah. Yeah, go for it. My segment is I, I got myself a new laptop after so many years of needing one. Um, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even using it yet right now. Cause I still got to set it up properly. Me and technology aren't, aren't best. Same. Uh, I got a new one too. And it's still in the box. Cause it's like, I, I know. well, I can't figure out how to sync my browser, my bookmarks. And that's oh. tripping me up. I want to sync all my bookmarks because I don't remember all my passwords. And the thought of having to figure out my <sighs> passwords again, just, I can't. I can't I deal know. with it right now. So I will hopefully be using it next episode. But it's so funny because, you know, I'm not really a Black Friday person. You know, yeah. most people, when they think of me, probably don't think I'm out and about at 6 a.m. on Black Friday. But yeah. I woke up really early. Uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and I was like, oh, shit, I've needed a new laptop for like two years. My freaking keys are falling off. I mean, it's time. Uh, yeah. it, it holds a charge for like five to ten minutes. It's very bad. It's always got to be plugged in. And yeah. so I literally took my ass to uh, to uh, the electronics store and uh, bought myself a laptop at like, I don't know, seven in the morning. Nobody in my family was awake. I just took myself, got a couple hundred bucks off my laptop. And I was Fuck like, yeah. all right, wow, I Black Friday'd. I did it. Wow. Good for you. So yeah, I would not have expected that from you. Shocking. Shocking. So, yeah, that's what I did. That's my uh, 
my little treat myself segment. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, um, we have an iTunes review of the episode before we wrap up. This is uh, from Allie G 709 Three thumbs way, way up. <laughs> Super dig this podcast and this hilarious group of lady babes. Oh, I like being a lady babe. <laughs> I like it. I do like yeah. the lady babe. All Love right. it. Thanks, Allie G. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, guys. We hope you're having yeah. a great start to your year. If you have any uh, experience with antidepressants and you feel like sharing, you can write to selfhelplesspodcast at gmail.com and, yeah. and, uh, I, you know, I'm curious. I'm just, I'm kind of in a place where I'm trying to gather more information and people's experiences with things. So if you feel like writing in, awesome. If not, I get it. It's a personal thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll, well, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Maybe I'm self Thank you for tuning in to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend, left an iTunes review, or feel free to post it on your Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast. Thanks, guys.